traveling the world searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Welcome, equestrians. This is Scott Miller, founder of the International Equine Network, uh, asking you to enjoy the day today, the equestrian day today. Uh, we've got an International Equine Report starting now. And we got a lot to talk about. It's going to be pretty much um, about Kentucky Derby. Uh, you know that that was uh, this uh, a week ago, and so we're kind of excited about that. It was very interesting. Uh, you know, uh, race to get there. Uh, we had how they get there and followed them all the way up until the Kentucky Derby, and um, that was exciting in itself. And and a lot of good things are happening in the horse industry, not only for the thoroughbreds, but for the show horses and the sales and everything worldwide. Um, the economy may be um, going up, uh, you know, uh, with the cost of living and everything, but the horse business is getting better and better. Um, that's what I like about it. And, and unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know which way to say that, but um, what it has done, the economy has created a situation to where Horse people are really thinking about where they're going to race, where they're going to show, what sales they're going to, um, where they can cut back, how they can make ends meet, and everything like that. And what that's done, it's kind of like forced the horse people uh, uh, in our equestrian world to really second-guess every decision they make. And the results of that second-guessing means that a lot of people are staying closer to home. They're staying uh, in, in local shows, regional shows, uh, more than they are if they would be traveling, like, say, from Florida to New York or Florida to Pennsylvania uh, or to California or to Europe even. And that makes it good because uh, the number of horses, that, uh, for example, that are showing locally uh, last year at this time, you know, were, you know, minimal. We'll say, for example, you get 40 40 to 50 horses in a local show, um, you know, that type of thing. Well, now uh, what's happening is we're getting a hundred horses because they're not traveling as much. Um, and it's not in their budget to go out with diesel prices and, you know, the economy the way it is with uh, food, hotel rooms, you know, that type of thing. And so that's making the local shows a lot better. And, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. It's really going to work out. Uh, because the quality is staying good at the local shows, regional shows, and then, you know, you can play it for the big shows like the national championships and, you know, that type of thing. And so that, that's what, um, you know, we see happening in the, in the horse business. And same thing with racing. Um, you know, racing where you think you might, uh, be racing here, uh, you know, in Kentucky one week and then, Next thing you know, you're to Pimlico or you're to Saratoga or New York or, or to Belmont, you know, or to Chicago or uh, to Texas or wherever. You're really thinking about that traveling, you know, uh, and, and you're kind of weighing out the, uh, you know, the financial end of it. And so consequently, it's making people, um, uh, you know, a, a little more wary of what they do and how they do it. And the tracks are also coming along, too, by raising the purse money. Uh, a lot of the tracks are offering good purse money bonuses and everything, uh, that type of thing, like Pimlico, for example, coming up on during the uh, Preakness Week. Um, they're offering $100,000 in bonus money to the trainers that stay there and race all five weeks. And so, um, you know, that that's an added incentive uh, type of thing. Uh, in California, they're paying people to ship in. Uh, or their horses to the tracks, you know, trying to help them out a little bit. So it's getting exciting, you know, and, and you got to really know your your horses and know your trainers and know your geography in, in order to watch that. And so that's that's what's uh, good about the business uh, now, you know. So that's exciting. So we're going to jump into the Derby here. We had a huge, huge upset uh, in the Kentucky Derby this year. Um, it, it was amazing how. Uh, this this all came about. Uh, you enter horses into the Derby, and what they do is uh, uh, they go in and they draw, and they get twenty horses in for the Derby, and then they also have two also eligibles that they put in. And so this year in the Derby, 
uh, Wayne Lucas. Um, he had uh, Ethel Road, and what he did is uh, he came in and he scratched Ethel Road from the uh, from the uh, Derby. And uh, he didn't think he could win the Derby with it, so he did the right thing, and he took his horse out of it, which his owners agreed, and, and they, they went along with it. So then that left um, uh, a horse, which became the 21 horse, to come in called Rich Strike. And this horse is a nice horse. He's a chestnut colt by Keen Ice out of a gold strike by Smart Strike Mare. Um, fold April 25th, 2019 in Kentucky. The breeder was Calumet Farm. Owner is Red TR Racing LLC. Eric Reed is the trainer. Eric Reed is a great trainer. He is a great trainer, always has been, always will be. And not many people you can say this about, but Eric Reed is as good of a trainer as he is a person. And he, he's just a, a tremendous guy, uh, good to these people, good to everybody around him. He's good for the business. Um, unfortunately, um, here... Uh, a while back, lightning struck a barn at his farm and, and killed several of his horses. So, you know, it, it's been a rough road for him, but he's always, uh, you know, always been right there uh, with, in his business. And, you know, uh, we were sitting there thinking about, you know, well, he got in on that late scratch from Lucas, and he it was literally um, on Friday morning uh mid-morning that uh, they told him he was going to be in the derby because of Lucas's scratch. So, you know, you lead up to the derby uh, thinking that you're going to be a spectator um, there to watch the derby uh, because you're not in the derby. And then all of a sudden, you know, in, in a 24-hour period, you find out that you're getting into the derby, you're going to be a part of the derby. What's your race strategy? What are you going to do? Uh, you know, you got 24 hours to plan all this out with your rider, uh, with your owner. Uh, you got to be spot on, ready to go, which they were. And, and then, you know, just kind of take it from there and, you know, hope the best happens. And so we, we got to looking through here. A lot of these horses are good. And some of these horses, um, Rich Strike has, um, you know, has, uh, uh ran against in, in the past. And so you come in and you look at a horse like Todd Pletcher and Modonigal. He's got the uh, number one um, uh, stall coming out of that gate. Uh, he was at 10 to 1. Uh, Happy Jack in two was 30 to 1. Epicenter, which uh, was really, a, which really is a good horse and everything. And he ended up um, running second in the race. Um, uh, you know, he was at 7 to 2. So a lot of people really liked him. Uh, you know, nice horse, uh, really schooled real well. Uh, I, I was surprised um, how well he he ran. Uh, he had a he had a long road to go go through there, and I, I was hoping that he he might get up there and do something to win. That was a Steve Ashmussen uh, horse uh, that that was right there. Um, you know, it was Steve's time. I think he's over for twenty four, zero for twenty five now. Um, you know, that type of thing. Uh, then we had um, another horse that, that, that was a good horse, Zandon. Uh, Zandon it was a nice horse um, that Chad Brown trained, and he was at 3-1. to one. So you had the 7-2 and 3-1, to one, you know, right there in the mix of things. But then you enter Smart Strike. Um, this horse uh, ended up going off like at 80-1. to one. Uh, He paid 163.80. Um, you know, it was just uh, unbelievable how he, how he was running. Uh, just unbelievable. Um, it looked like at the head of the stretch epicenter, uh, Zandon simplification and Modonigal, uh, were going to be right there at the wire and, and they fanned out, uh, uh, you know, across there and then, uh, picking his way through the crowd, uh, and, and just unbelievable ride by, by the jockey on, um, on Rich Strike, uh, he, he was just uh, amazing how this guy rode. Um, he, he was just unbelievable uh, trying to, uh, you know, get him there. And, and uh, he did everything that he could. He had all kinds of troubles coming down through, through the lane. And uh, Sonny Leon rode a great race and just close to the, close to the uh, uh, you know, finish line, 
uh, he makes a, a dramatic move and he ends up winning by three quarters of a length. <coughs> so that, that was exciting in there in itself. And I've watched it a hundred times over. And every time that I've, uh, watched it, I, I get just as excited as I did the first time that I saw it. So Sonny Leon is a good, is a good rider. Um, smart strikes a nice horse. Um, you know, but it just goes to show you it's the Kentucky Derby and it's a horse race and anything can happen. And one of the things that um, we were talking about after after the race was over is all the horses on uh, the, the Derby prep uh, all ran all the Derby prep races. They all they all uh, had a good plan. Um, each trainer came a, a different way, uh, you know, from different states and different tracks and. Uh, some stayed at a track and ran a series of races, you know, to get into the uh, Derby. Others traveled around from track to track to get into the Derby. So it was exciting, you know, to see when all these horses got together and we found out the top 20 um, points uh, earners in, uh, in the road to the Derby. And, and it was a good, you know, and, and it worked out good, I think. I really do. I think it, and, the, and the odds on them uh, when, when at post time, uh, you know, you were looking at Epicenter, and you were looking at um, uh, Messier. Uh, you were looking, uh, you know, at a lot of good horses in here. Zandon, uh, you, you know, you were looking at. And they all had legitimate legitimate reasons for why they were going off at the odds and why they were the favorites. And like I said, you know, it's a 20-horse it's a race. Um, Rich Strike, uh, he draws the 20 post. Uh, which, you know, not the greatest post in the world until now. But um, what happened with him is they broke from the gate, and, and it was interesting. Um, it was a cavalry charge like they've, like they've had in years past. Um, the, the horses went out in different sections. Uh, they were all together. They were racing. It was the fastest uh, quarter and fastest half mile in Derby history. And all those horses that were on the lead, it was just uh, unbelievable, um, you know, times that they that they were go- that they were running, and, and you know, so I'm sitting there watching the race and thinking, like, oh my goodness, I said, this is this is un- un- crazy. Um, they came out 23 and five, 24 and, and nine, 26 and two, 25 and, and uh, six. Um, it was just. Uh, <laughs> You know, fantastic what they were doing. Uh, you know, with their uh, uh, with their running, um, it was two oh two was the final time, which is, is it's a good time, about average, I would say, over the years. But when you come out and go uh, twenty one and seven, forty five, one ten, um, and then one thirty six for the mile, at the mile marker, I knew they were done up on the front end. They were done. You can't run in the Derby and run that many uh, with that many horses, run those kind of fractions, and then and then go the mile in 136, and then expect to get that last quarter of a mile, you know, to victory. Just can't do it. You cannot do it, and, and that proved out. So a lot of the horses that were, you know, in, in the hunt for uh, for the uh, Derby on the first first uh, time down the down the stretch. Um, you know, it was brutal. It was brutal. At the three-eighths pole, you're looking and saying, oh, my goodness, where are they going from there? Who is it going to be? And at that time, the way they were bunched up, it could have been any of them because they fanned out across the track, and they were trying to run each other down, and they were looking, you know, at the horses ahead of them or beside them. And, and got into some pretty good duels there, uh, you know, with uh, epicenters and on simplification. Uh, you know, they, they were all right there. They were all... Um, hanging in there, uh, it, it looked good. Uh, you know, I said, man, oh man, I said, what are you going to do? It's at the three quarters pole. Rich Strike was 18 and a half lengths behind the group. He come flying at the end. He come flying at the end, weaving his way in and out, in and out, in and out. You know, and I said, oh my goodness. I said, this is, this is unbelievable. You got four or five horses up there that are, that are bidding for the win, and, you know, I would have never thought it. And then all of a sudden, Rick Strike comes out of nowhere. They come out of nowhere. This horse just just lit them up. 
And when I looked at uh, the stats on Rick Strike, he he held true to form. He held true to form. And, and I was really surprised, you know, to see this horse uh, run like he did because he was literally running to form that he had been all the way leading up to the derby. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, oh, my goodness, this horse has run four times. And he was, like, out of control. He was out of control. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, oh, my goodness, look at this horse. He had four starts. He had one win, no seconds, two-thirds. And now he's a $1,932,000 richer for his eight starts. He's got two wins, three-thirds, and a million. $971,000 in total earnings. You know, I, I was really stunned that that happened. And he came, he came out of nowhere. He literally did. Um, he had a, a race that um, when he was uh, first started out, uh, he came out and he ran in a maiden special weight uh, at Ellis Park in, in Henderson, Kentucky. And he didn't do very well. Uh, he ended up tenth, and had a, this was really bad. Uh, they run him again one month and two days later, and he breaks his maiden at Churchill Downs for a claiming tag. He he breaks his maiden. Then after that, he waits uh, approximately five weeks later. He runs a at Keeneland an allowance optional claiming race. He ran third. So, you know, he, he's up and down on the, you know, where when he's running, he's just up and down. Okay, then he goes from Keeneland to the fairgrounds, and he runs in the gunrunner stakes. And he runs fifth in the, uh, in the uh, gunrunner stakes on 12-26. Now, remember, he ran at 10-9 at Keeneland in an optional claiming race, okay? And then he goes from, from the 1st of October to the end of uh, December, and he runs in a stakes race, uh, a black-type race, a uh, graded race there, or black-type race there for him, and it was unbelievable. He runs fifth. Well, that's par for the course. He'd been off a long time, you know, out of his usual training and workout habits. And so next thing you know, you see him a month later at Turfway Park in a stakes race. Um, he runs third. So that's par for the course. He's back on track. Then uh, he runs uh, actually uh, two months later at Turfway again in uh, John Battaglia stakes, and he runs fourth. But he's a little off of his, tra- off of his training because he's usually working every every month and then racing uh, every other month. And so, you know, he gets the John Battaglia and runs four. Okay, then he comes back a month later in April, April the 2nd, and he uh, runs third in a stakes race there, a grade three stakes race, the Jeff Ruby stakes. So this horse is kind of like back on, on schedule running every month. Okay, so then he, they scratch out, Lucas scratches out in the derby, and we come in, uh, and Rich Strike gets into the Derby, 5-7, a month later after the Jeff Ruby Stakes, two months after the John Battaglia uh, race. So now we're looking, you know, at what's he going to do? What does he do? He wins the Kentucky Derby. Totally, totally unorthodox, you know, uh, way of coming because, you know, it, it just wasn't going to happen. And so he wins the race. So I go back over and looking at it, uh, all of his races. He he normally breaks slow from the gate. He's a closer. He works every three or four weeks. Races one uh, one race every three months, leading to the Derby. From the Kingland to Fairgrounds was this forty-seven day layoff, and he ran fifth. Breaks his maiden twenty days to uh, uh, at, at uh, Churchill Downs. Twenty days later, he runs at Kingland. And, uh, you know, it's just unbelievable, you know, how this horse, how this horse run. It's, it, 
really unorthodox and really no set plan, no, no, uh, you know, uh, really set plan other than, you know, I guess just what he's feeling good and we're going to work him, you know, that type of thing. And horses are creatures of habit and they fall into the habit of, of running to, you know, uh, the way they train. And, and this horse trained very, uh, it was very unusual route to the Derby. Uh, I wouldn't say every horse could get there to the Derby doing that. But, um, you know, like I said, he breaks slow. He's a closer, works three to four weeks, races one uh, uh, one race every three months leading to the Derby. And, uh, you know, you're thinking, like, what the heck's going on here? Um, he was lucky. Uh, you got to run the, uh, the and, and I mean lucky. And he's a skilled horse, but luck had a lot to do with it. Uh, he breaks from the 20 hole. They get him back down in behind the horses, and they run down the stretch the first time, and he's struggling. You know, he's in the back of the pack. Uh, and then he starts picking them off, you know, one by one real quick uh, when he gets on the back stretch and gets to the head of the stretch, and then he just unleashes a just a tremendous run. And he, he you know, I don't want to say he was catching a bunch of tired horses, but he, he did catch them and everything. So, um, and he runs on past them and wins, which is good. So, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and what Sonny Leon did and what the trainer did to get him there, they did all the right things for that day. And every horse has his day, and I, I'm glad that this horse had his day on Derby Day. Now, having said all that and the things that we're talking about, in the horse industry and, and you know the rule of thumb and you know you see the you see the Todd Pletchers and you know you see the D Wayne Lucases and and um, you know the uh, uh, Steve Ashmusens and, and see how they train and they're methodical on how they train and they won a lot of races and and everything and it, it's um you know it's just the rule of thumb as they say but like Woody Stevens says hey if you could write a book about how to train a horse to get to the Derby you know, I would uh, do, uh, uh, Woody would have written one, and he he would have been you know a hundred times a millionaire over. Uh, but you can't do that because every horse is different, every year is different, every track's different. And speaking of different tracks, now we're going to find out just how good um, you know Rich Strike is, uh, because we've got a two week turnaround, and that's something that Rich Strike has never done before. He's never gone two weeks in between races. Never gone, in, you know, in between races two weeks. Now that says a lot right there in itself, you know, to give you notice on how good this horse is. Uh, going into the, uh, well, after, after the Derby, um, he had eight starts and he never raced two weeks off another race or two weeks off of the, of the work. So that, that tells you a lot right there coming up for the Preakness. Now, with the Preakness is unique in itself. Um, it's a three-year-old race, and a lot of the same horses are going to be, uh, you know, running uh, against him in the, uh, in the uh, Preakness. And it's going to be interesting to see what, how this all plays out. Uh, we know Epicenter is going, Secret Oath is going to the Preakness for sure. And we'll get talk about her in just a little bit. Uh, simplification was the first to arrive at uh, Pimlico. And so now you got a lot of horses coming in and, uh, you know, that are fresh, that are going to be fresh uh, off of them. Uh, so I, I was just, um, uh, you know, looking at all the different ones. Uh, um, not not this time. Uh, Colt got there on Tuesday, uh, which, is, which is a new shooter. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, what happens with that. Um, you know, I, I said uh, earlier today uh, to a friend of mine, I said he's got his work cut out for him coming in. Uh, Epicenter will be there. Um, we've got um, uh, Creative Minister uh, will be there, uh, which, is, uh, which is a nice horse. He's a fresh horse that's coming in. Um, we have... Uh, you know, uh, horses that won't be there, smile, happy, crown, pride. A lot of them just, you know, you know, it, it was just not, not their time, you know, to do that and, and all. But um, getting back to, you know, Rich Strike, he's got a lot of things in front of him that he didn't have in the Derby. 
one, you're going to be looking at a smart, a smaller field. And so it's going to be uh, most likely that he will hook or get in a speed duel with one of them uh, or even more of them that come out of there. Uh, he's a closer and uh, he's not, he won't be used to being up on the front end. And it's possible that when they break him from the gate and the preakness, he will be on the front end. Very, very realistic, uh, you know, way to look at it the way I see it. Most people might not see it, but this is the way I see it. He's a closer. They're going to have to take him back. And when you have to take him back at Pimlico, it's tough because Pimlico racetrack is an egg-shaped racetrack. It's not a complete oval like it is at Churchill. And uh, that egg-shaped of the track, when you come out of the gate, you're literally into the first turn. And that, and that's tough. So, you know, depending on your post position and depending on, uh, you know, your horse, if you're a closer, it makes it tough because you get into that first turn and the horses are gone and they've already got 15, 20 links on you. Uh, easy. That could easily happen to them. And so, uh, you know, that's what we're looking at. It's a mile and three, three sixteenths was shorter than the Derby. And, uh, that's, that plays a big part in it too. Because if it, if the Derby were a mile and three sixteenths, Brooks Strike would have never won the Derby. You know he won it in the, in the last uh, closing. Uh, you know last 150 yards, I'd say. The track's narrow. The the track is very is narrow. Churchill Downs is 80 feet wide. Pimlico 70 feet wide. Uh, so it's it's much narrower. So that makes a big difference in the way your horse is going to be running and what lane he gets in. The turn and the first turn is a lot sharper than it is at Churchill. That first turn. Then when you get down to uh, the three eighths pole coming around, it, it's egg shaped and it's got a long sweeping turn that you have to go through. So that in itself can confuse a horse. Um, you know when you're when you're trying to get to that to the finish line. Um, you know, the horse is not, it's not usually, the three-eighths pole is not usually where it's at on most tracks, put it to you that way. So that, that turn is going to be a lot, it's a sweeping turn, and you know, I have to know how to ride that turn. And, and that's, a lot of good jockeys have, have had a hard time with the turns at Pimlico, and uh, they might have had the best horse, but they just didn't have that experience there. Uh, the other thing that uh, comes up, is that uh, the Churchill Downs stretch is 1,234 feet long, which is a long stretch to run down. At uh, Pimlico, it's 1,152 feet long. So that makes a big difference there in itself, you know, with that with that pretty quick short turn. And you're looking at, you know, uh, a mile and a third sixteenth opposed to a mile and a quarter. So uh, having said all, all that, the thing that um, Sonny Leon, and m- believe me, I've never been a jockey. I can ride a horse, but I've never been a jockey. And so they're, they're going to know the best uh, how to do it. Uh, Jerry Bailey, Mike Smith, and all those guys can tell you, you know, what he's going to have to do to do that. But it's my opinion that it's going to be very difficult depending on what post position he gets. Now, if he can get an outside post position, he can get to the rail fairly quick at Pimlico. But when you're at the rail, you got to remember it's a real short stretch to the first turn. So that's going to put him, you know, as a back of the pack. And depending on how many horses are in the field, um, he's going to have a wall of horses to get around that back stretch. And he's going to have to position himself down the back stretch in a good spot to where that he doesn't have to use up a lot of horse in the turn to get to the finish line. He's going to have to be close by the time he hits that the, the turn, the second turn that he's got to go around, because he's not going to be able to weave his way in and out of horses like he did at Churchill at Pimlico because it's a sweeping turn and it's a short stretch. It's a short stretch. And you got to remember that that hundred, that 152 feet is also compromised 
by being a mile and a three sixteenth opposed to a mile and a quarter and twelve hundred thirty four feet at Churchill. So people have got to realize that you know he's got a lot of work to do in a short amount of time, and it's gonna it's gonna be tough. And I really don't see any um, post position, you know, that's going to benefit him at all at, at Pimlico because he's a slow breaker, and he and he's already behind the eight ball and went breaking slow going into the turn. It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough on him. He's going to have a long way to go, you know, to get there. And then the other thing that um, you know we were looking at, uh, or I was looking at this morning. Uh, when it came out, um, uh, Preakness is a week from this Saturday. Um, so I, I said, uh, you know, Rich Strike is a good horse. You know, it was just amazing how he ran. Um, there was a horse called Arazi that ran quite a few years back, and uh, this horse was like out of control. Uh, Arazi was an out of control horse. Whenever he broke, he went whatever he wanted. And, and the trainer told uh, Tony, the jockey, he said, just hang on. He said, grab a handful of mane, hang on. He said, he knows where to go, and he'll get you there. And he did. You know, he, he was a, he was a great, great horse. But now at Pimlico, uh, the thing that's going to be interesting is uh, he's got uh, Epic, Epic Center is going to be there. He's got horses that are seasoned, that are battle, you know, um, battle-scarred. Uh, they know what it's all about. They know today the three or the Derby Day – the three-year-olds that, that survived and are going on to Pimlico, they've got their battle uh, underneath their belt. They know what they have to do and how they have to do it, and the jockeys know exactly how much horse they got out got under them. And a lot of these horses are used to running, you know, um, on a quick turnaround, not like, um, you know, Red Strike was, you know, every 30 days and, and so forth, and, and never, never had to turn around two weeks, you know, to, to the next race. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that, you know, that plays there. But um, one of the things that um, that I think is going to really be uh, good, and, and I think that she'll probably win the, the, uh, the Pimlico uh, Preakness, uh, is Secret Oak. Um, she uh, uh, ran in the Kentucky Oaks, and, I mean, she just lit them up. She just lit them up in the Oaks. Uh, she was just much the best horse. Uh, you know, she was really good at that. She come off a four week layoff of running in the Arkansas Derby against the Colts, uh, which she fared very well. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sitting there thinking like, and I've, I've seen her. She's a big horse. She is a big, big, big horse. Uh, there, uh, she knows what it's all about. Uh, uh D Wayne's got her tuned in. He's got her planned right. Uh, the Oaks this year, um, she handled it very well. Uh, she, I, I was really, really amazed at how well she did in the Oaks. Um, you know, to see her run, uh, you know, how she uh, she broke from the gate. She did everything right. And, uh, you know, it, it was amazing to see that happen with her. But it was typically a, a Wayne Lucas-trained horse. And uh, she went by two lengths. Um, she was five wide at the three-inch pole, uh, looked over and, and went in, in, you know, inward on there. She, she really did good. Um, I, I tell you, she might have done good in the Derby. She might have, might have run very well in the Derby, depending on the post position that she got, uh, you know, if she would have, if she would have got into the Derby. Um, uh, I, I was thinking here when she inch clear near the eighth pole in, in the final stage, stages under a heavy drive, uh, she she hung on, she hung on, and, and Ness was running at her. Um, it it was really good. Uh, I, I tell you, I don't think it would have been any any different uh, for either Nest or um, Secret Oath in the Derby. I think they both would have fared very well. Uh, you know, in, in there. So, you know, the exciting part about it is it's simplification is already there. And, and so, you know, we're looking at simplification and, and what he did. Um, he ran a good derby. Um, you know, he, he was a part, he was a victim of, I shouldn't say a victim, but he was a participant in the cavalry charge. 
you know, with him, and uh, he he ended up running uh, fourth or fifth there or fourth uh, with uh, Jose Ortiz in in, in the Irons. Um, he was three three five three and five seven wide, uh, and, and and stayed well. He he held his ground, and so uh, he wasn't catching them, and he wasn't yielding anything to the winner. You know, on him. Uh, he he was right there at it. So the Preakness is going to be a whole, like I said, a whole different ball game uh, with them. Uh, and the two week turnaround. When do when do you ship to? Uh, uh, you know, uh, Pimlico. Uh, there's just a lot of things. You know that this horse is going to be exposed to that he hasn't been exposed to. Uh, the crowd of Pimlico is good. It's just like it is at um, at Churchill. And, and I th- I think Red Strike is a horse that kind of gets in. He feels the vibe. I think he knows where he's at. I think he knows what he's doing. You know, I think that all really plays a big part of it. You know, but the Pimlico track, I think, is going to be the biggest problem he's going to have. Um, It's going to be tough because there will be a wall of horses in front of him, and he's going to have to be constantly running them down from the time they spring that gate until they run across the finish line. And I, I I like the horse, I like the crew, I like everything about him, but I just don't think that he's that kind of horse. I really don't. Um, I think that uh, his training schedule, uh, his eight races uh, were too uh, too far apart and too sporadic. Um, and but again, I hope he wins. I really do. I hope he wins. And uh, we'll see just what kind of horse he is uh, going to mile and three sixteenths a week from uh, this Saturday. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I wish all the people uh, that like him that bet on him, and I wish they all uh, good luck to him and to the crew. Um, that's what we needed was a horse like that in the business, uh, something to get the public excited about it. Uh, I mean, everybody's been talking about it. You know, how much did he pay? You know. Uh, uh, when's he running again? You know, a lot of people, he, you know, he made national news. So that's, that's going to be interesting. So that's my view on, on the Preakness. Uh, i got to see what the draw is next week. You can come to IENTV.org and watch the draw live next week. Um, you can see what all is going on there. And then next Thursday, a week from today, uh, we'll have our Preakness pick. And uh, we'll have a lot of different things that are going on there at Pimlico. Um, they've got a good horse show going in Maryland uh, uh, Preakness week. Uh, there's a lot of good things going on, so it'll be all pretty much about um, Pimlico and Maryland racing uh, next week. Um, and we'll have talk, be talking about a lot of show horse stuff that's going on, uh, both domestic and international, the sales that are coming up. And um, we literally uh, will be kicking off how they get there uh, coming up here uh, at the uh, Mid-Atlantic sales, uh, two-year-old and training sales that will be coming up from Timonium, Maryland. It's uh, May 23rd and 24th at 11 a.m. Uh, the under-tax shows uh, start uh, May 17th through the 19th at 8 a.m. at Timonium, Maryland. And uh, we're going to be able to see some uh, real nice horses there. And that's all a part of how they get there, our 2023 Kentucky Derby uh, project that we'll be doing. And uh, this is where owners have to decide, do they breathe, uh, breed a homebred uh, horse for the Derby or do they go to the two-year-old training sales and, um, and, and buy one, you know, or do they negotiate a syndicate and um, spend a lot of money to get a horse trying to get them to the Derby. But that's on how we get there. That will be coming up next week. And one of the greatest things other than which not – which is um, – Hard to top, great uh, uh, Rich Strike doing what he did. One of the good things that um, that we have done in the, in the horse business, and it, it's all breeds uh, that that it's been done. Um, we've had several trainers, including Bob Baffert, that uh, had Medina Springs last year that was disqualified from the Kentucky Derby win because of medication violations. And he had several medication violations prior to that in the past few years. And so he's been banned uh, from uh, literally from racing for the next two years. Uh, it's going to be really tough for Bob to get back into the game uh, with, uh, you know, the bands at Churchill, Belmont, and Pimlico. 
hanging over his head and, 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 you know, California and, and probably just about any other state he'd try to get into. It's going to be difficult for him to do that and everything. But, uh, and then we have the, the standard bread industry, uh, where they had, um, hundreds of people that were indicted, uh, for, uh, violations and had 29 that were violated for major, major, uh, violations. Uh, and there are people in jail now to, uh, that are in there. Uh, there's a lot more that are going to jail and they're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines, you know, to, and going to jail for what they did. And what it was is that they were mislabeling, um, drugs and giving them to them, uh, to the horses. And, uh, you know, the story's just a mile long and, you know, really too long to go into, but, you know, they got caught. And so the industry as a whole, from show horses to race horses uh, to anything involved in competition, uh, the medication rules and regulations are being adhered to very strictly now. I mean, it's really, really good. And they finally have gotten it down to where um, they take a blood sample and a urine sample from the horses on the day that they, they run their race and win. You know, or or lose. Um, they they do the winners, and then they do you know horses that that also participate in in the race. And um, the Kentucky Derby and Oak, Oaks Day competitors clear drug tests, and that that's very good for the public now to know that um, when they're going to the races, they're going to see horses that are you know ready to go and, and, and approved, and, and it's really really good to you know to have. Uh, the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission reported May 11th that laboratory results taken from the horses that reached May 6th and 7th on Kentucky Oaks and Derby Day were clear of drug infractions. This includes post-race samples from the Longines Kentucky Oaks and Kentucky Derby presented by Woodford Reserve. The clear test contrasts those from the past two years when Gamey tested positive for um, uh, an illegal substance in the 2020 uh, Kentucky Oaks, and Medina Spirit also shown um, a prohibited race day presence uh, of an illegal drug in the 2021 Kentucky Derby. Both horses were trained by Hall of Fame Bob Baffert, were ultimately disqualified and placed last. Mike Lon Peterson's gamey, uh, gamey was demoted from third in the Oaks, uh, was, was demoted from third in the Oaks, Send on racing stable Medina Spirit from first. So the Philly finished third and was sent to last, and Medina Spirit finished first. Um, you know, it, it was uh, it was interesting what they said. Uh, Baffert attributed Gamey's positive test to an injection that came 18 days before the Oaks, outside the 14-day uh, suggested withdrawal time, and Medina Spirit uh, to the treatment of. Uh, his uh, violation um, uh, to, to a cream that was used to treat a skin rash on the colt. Baffert had appealed the uh, uh, disqualification as well as the 90-day suspension and fined uh, 7,500 against him. Um, it, it's so you know it, it was it was just interesting to see you know uh, how they got on these tests right after this year's Derby. Uh, opposed to, uh, you know, in the past. And that, that was good. And, and that's given the, um, the betting public, it's given, uh, you know, uh, a shot in the arm and saying, Hey, you're getting horses that aren't going to be doped up because they're going to pay the ultimate price. When you get caught doping horses, you're going to pay the price. And it literally could end and does and has and will in trainers and owners careers. So that, you know, the betting public is looking at that now. So now they can, you know, can go to the track with, a, uh, you know, a better feeling. Because uh, I know a lot of people uh, that saw Red Strike win the Derby and pay, you know, over $160, you know, for a $2 bet. You know, a lot of people would say, well, wonder what he was on. You know, well, he wasn't on anything because he passed the blood test. You know, he was not on anything illegal. That was just a horse running. You know, that was just pure out talent right then and there. And so that, that, that's uh, good to know that, uh, that in all, uh, the equestrian industry now, uh, you can go out and you can watch uh, an event, uh, 
um, show horses, uh, standard breads, starter breads, uh, quarter horse racing, and know that you're going to get a, a horse that's healthy and ready to go. And all these horses are inspected um, every day uh, before they run. Uh, then on game, on race day, they're inspected by veterinarians, and uh, they're flexed, and uh, they make sure that they're not sore or off anywhere. Um, you know, uh, and if they pass all those tests, and they uh, do the pre-race, uh, you know, blood work and things of that thing and urine samples, um, then, you know, they're, they're good to go. And so you're getting 100% the real deal every time you go see them. And then something that um, I've been saying for two years now and trying to, you know, get going here uh, at uh, IEN, uh, which which has been tough, it's hard to get, uh, you know, financing and things, you know, to bring programs and to get your uh, ideas on, you know, together. But, uh, uh, with BBS and my website, um, we've seen a positive, uh, swing, uh, in the right direction for everything that, that we're doing. Uh, you know, here, a lot of the things that, uh, uh, that I've done in the past two years have been on the cutting edge. Uh, nobody else is doing it. And to this day, still nobody's doing it. Um, what we're doing is we're becoming a, um, a website and, um, uh, that uh, is wanting to be the world's largest distributor of equine information. And so we're built, rebuilding the website. Uh, we know how we're going to have it, how it's going to be. And you'll be able to come to our website and click on, uh, for example, like eight at the wire. At the wire is going to be, you know, a 30-minute show um, every week on uh, our website that we have. Uh, that uh, will be about the thoroughbred industry. And it'll be on Thursdays, like it is here on BBS. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about racing. We'll talk about uh, a little bit about everything. It's strictly on thoroughbreds. We have flying turns, which also is going to be on Thursday. And it's going to be um, about the harness racing industry, the standard bread industry. Uh, we have uh, Last Call, which is going to be about sale uh, horses of all breeds. Uh, we have Chucker, which is about polo, uh, both domestic and international, uh, that's going to be on. So there's so many things that we're doing. And the key to our industry and the success of, the, of, of our industry depends on distribution. Um, every racetrack has their own in-house uh, reporting and, and marketing and um, media center. Uh, same for the show horses and the standard breads and um, you know, everything involved with the horse industry, they have their own media and marketing. And for years now, it's been tough to go to TV because you go to NBC or you go to uh, uh, USA Network or whatever network you go to, whatever platform you're, you choose, whether it's radio or, or um, you know, television, it's very expensive. It's very expensive. And, and you don't see... Um, you know, the distribution of that information too often. And, and having said that, and the reason why that I did it is because it was very difficult for horse, horse people to follow the trades, as they say, and, you know, to pick up that magazine, to pick up that newspaper, racing form, or whatever. Because, you know, you're looking at an everyday thing, and, and it's really kind of tough to be doing that. So, uh, about, oh, this has been many years ago, I started, got this concept of, of having, being the world's largest distributor of equine information. And basically what we do at IEM is we created a website that with one click, you can go directly to the current information for that, that uh, discipline or that breed of horses. For example, like at the wire. Uh, what we'll do is we'll take five of the top tracks in the country that are racing now, like um, Churchill, Pimlico, Belmont, uh, Santa Anita, you know, that type of thing. We'll have that on there, and we'll have a little intro to uh, that track, what's going on that week, what's coming up on that week, and with one click, it takes you directly to that track's website to where you can watch racing live. We'll do the same thing for the show horse industry. 
you'll be able to click onto our show, our programming called Quest for Equine Gold, which is the show horse industry. You click on our website, you go to Quest for Equine Gold, and then you can go to any of the shows that you would like to see, both domestic and international. We're going to have live and tape programming. Um, it's just going to be uh, amazing. You're going to, you'll be able to sit down at your computer and literally go around the world and go to all sports, all, all disciplines, and, and find something that you're you know looking at. And along with the help of, of the equestrian industry, for example, let's say the people that we have here at Sunshine Meadows that are showing right now, our showers people, they can come to the website. They will be able to go to the uh uh, the, our, our website, Quest for Equine Gold, and they can follow the people that are showing here that have traveled up to uh, uh, Pittsburgh to um, uh, participate in the IEA National Championships. So, you know, even though they're not up there, but their teammates are, they'll be able to watch it with, with you know, with a couple of clicks and, and they're there. And same thing with, the, you know, horse racing and uh, the horse sales. Um, you know, we'll have live programming that you can tap into and go from there. Now, like like this year, for example, NBC, for example, uh, they bought out USA Network. And so that's a platform that they use. It's another tier to their to their programming. And they worked out some pretty good program, uh, some deals over the years. And NBC is actually going to be dropping NBC Sports, and they'll be having – USA Network as the platform, and so like this year, uh, pretty much started at 10:30 in the morning on the USA Network, and then it went to the National Network uh, on NBC at 2:30 in the afternoon, and so that that was uh, something you know that uh, you know they're starting to catch on, saying, hey, it's about distribution. It's not about just NBC Sports or ABC or you know CBS Sports. It's about NBC altogether, and how can they get it out there? And now we've got the platforms that um, we're using. We're using the Internet. Um, you know, we're using all kinds of uh, uh, television networks uh, from local stations to regional to national uh, stations, you know, to get the product out there. And a good example of showing you what has happened uh, by doing this, by NBC starting to do it, and hopefully someday we'll be up there big, you know, with, with what we're doing. But we're satisfied now, or I'm satisfied now with what we're doing. You know, here with it, it's growing, and it's just a matter of me getting, um, you know, getting to work and get it done. But NBC Sports presentation of the 148th Kentucky Derby presented by the Woodford Reserve, Grade One, May 7th, Churchill Downs, Thriller, one was won by Rich Strike by 80 to one shot, uh, and it was just unbelievable. It says. Um, the average total audience delivery of 16 million viewers marking the eighth consecutive year that the event has topped the 15 million mark, excluding the pandemic impact events. With 16 million viewers, the 2022 Kentucky Derby was the most watched run for the Roses since 2019. Viewership picked at, peaked at 19 million um, viewers from 7 to 7.15 Eastern time on NBC. And so that, that goes to show you that, um, you know, that a lot of these things, um, you know, that, that we're doing now is just proven out, you know, what they were doing. Um, they had a multitude of outlets that funneled their programming right into NBC, you know, national and international. And so that, that, that was something that, um, you know, we were excited about. And then when Rich Strike wins, you know, no telling how many people will be watching the Preakness, you know, and the Belmont, and, and you know, the Derby, and what leads up to the Derby next year. It says, uh, this was the largest Kentucky Derby peak audience since 2017, uh, exceeding the 18.5 million for 2019 disqualification of maximum security that elevated country uh, house to first. Um, the TV only, uh, the TV only average audience the 15.8 million viewers is NBC's most watched programming since Super Bowl Sunday. NBC reported that um, overhead replay of the race with Larry Collins called ha has been viewed more than 36 million times a record uh, for a derby clip across NBC sport flagships uh, such as um, Facebook, 
uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and International Equine Network. Uh, led by the Peacock, which live-streamed the Kentucky Derby for the first time. This event posted a record average of a minute, uh, minute audience of 247,300 viewers across NBC Universal streaming platforms. Um, this was taken from the uh, Louisville, Fort Myers, Cincinnati, West Palm Beach, Buffalo, and Baltimore, uh, all topped the markets for the television of the Derby, uh, ratings for the Derby. So basically what they're saying is, is that, um, you know, it's about, uh, in an odd way, uh, they're, they're not saying it like I'm saying it. I'm saying it's about distribution. And that's, bas- that's what it's all about. It's about distribution. I don't care what kind of platform it is. I don't care where it's at. I don't care how big you are, how small you are. It's all about the distribution. And, and we're a part of that distribution for all these equestrian sports. Uh, the Rolex this year did very well on their distribution. The three-day Rolex at Lexington uh, did very well. We're going to see how the Preakness does coming up here, you know, a week from Saturday, how their television ratings are, if it went up or if it went down, uh, you know, just what it's going to be be like. But, uh, you know, you can take an iPhone now and you can watch uh, live racing. Um, you can, uh, uh, you know, do it on a laptop in your house. Um, you know, you can do it through various cable, you know, uh, internet outlets, you know, to it. It's all about distribution. And once you have the distribution, the next goal and most crucial point of, of all these projects is the fact is how do you present the programming? You got to make it good for, you know, the, the people to watch. And you can't just limit it to, to horse people. You have to make your programming interesting so that a non-horse person can watch it and be entertained and educated about the equine industry. And one of the things that we have uh, on our website is um, how they get there, the 2023 Kentucky Derby. We have on there uh, one segment. It's about Steve Norman. He's a blacksmith, and he shod some of the uh, uh, best horses in the world over the years. It's just amazing how many, you know, Derby winners and Breeders' Cup winners this guy, you know, has put shoes on it. And he explains to you uh, in the video, how, you know, why you put them on there, how you put them on there, you know, the importance of the shoe. Um, we've got on there Hallway Feed. Hallway Feed is the best feed company in the world. Their distribution is worldwide, and they all come right out of Lexington, Kentucky. And so, you know, you see how they make the feed. Uh, you see how they do distribution. Uh, you see how horses are transported, um, you know, by truck and, and in the air and, and uh, by barge and, and uh, you know, all, all those type of things. And so that's the kind of program that we're doing here is to make it interesting for everybody. Um, you know, like last week, we ran Derby Week and everything. We ran a documentary on uh, Secretariat. Um, we did that. Uh, we've run documentaries on show horses and on standard breads, um, you know, and, and, you know, you're looking at an hour long movie that it's good for the whole family, you know, so everything we're doing there is we're trying to educate, you know, our, our clients and, and our potential viewers. So what we hope you do is you check it out, check us out at IENTV.org. Um, you can call me at 561-466-1272. Or email me at ienequinetv at gmail.com and give me your ideas on the website, what you'd like to see. So I've rattled on enough for this week. Um, I'm getting excited about the Preakness coming up a week from uh, this Saturday. Uh, next week we'll have our Preakness show and we'll have our debut of the Quest for Equine Gold and all the shows that we will be bringing to you in the show horse industry and go from there. So this is Scott Miller, hoping that you'll join us next week at the International Equine Network, Equine Report on next, what is next Thursday? It's uh, next Thursday. <laughs> so just join us and, uh, you know, let us know how you feel and what you do. And I'm worn out and I'm through for the day. I'm going to have me a coffee and take it easy. Join us next week on the International Equine Report.